a new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. Today is Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. On this day in 1972, notorious serial killer John Wayne Gacy committed his first murder. His victim was 16-year-old Timothy Jack McCoy. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode contains depictions of murder, sexual assault, and violence that some may find offensive. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the inaugural murder of one of the most infamous serial killers in history. Let's go back to Chicago on the evening of January 3rd, 1972. Timothy McCoy looked out his window as the Greyhound bus drove past the Sears Tower. He was on his way back to Glenwood, Iowa, after spending Christmas with his family in Nebraska. McCoy had a layover in Chicago and, for whatever reason, didn't plan sleeping arrangements in advance. So when a heavy-set 30-year-old man approached the boy and offered his spare bedroom, the teenager agreed. He got in the man's car and they set off. Shortly after, they arrived at a well-kept brick ranch-style home in the quiet suburb of Norwood Park. That's what we know for sure. The rest is John Wayne Gacy's side of the story. Gacy said that shortly after arriving at the house, the two of them shared some kind of consensual sexual encounter. Then they went to sleep. Gacy in the master bedroom and McCoy in the guest room. The next thing Gacy remembered, he woke up to McCoy standing at the foot of his bed, wielding a knife. Gacy was startled, unsure of whether the boy wanted to hurt him or rob him. In self-defense, he lunged for the blade. McCoy flinched, stepped back to protect himself, but in doing so, he sliced into Gacy's palm. Gacy stared at the blood gushing from his hand. He later told investigators that the sight of his own blood filled him with rage. He felt a kind of power, like something had awakened deep within him. Gacy threw the teenager against the wall. The boy dropped the knife. But when Gacy went to grab him, McCoy kicked him in the stomach. Furious, Gacy tackled McCoy. He picked up the knife and straddled him, stabbing into the teenager's chest. Over and over, he struck the boy's body. Gacy later described it as if the room started whirling around him. He felt like he was in a state of ecstasy. By the time he snapped back, McCoy was dead and the room was drenched in blood. Nothing in Gacy's life had given him such a rush. He knew then and there that he wanted to kill again. 
He got up to wash the knife and then walked into the kitchen to put it back. As he walked in, Gacy noticed a slab of uncut bacon sitting on the cutting board and a carton of eggs on the counter. He also saw that the table had been set for two. And the realization hit him. Timothy McCoy hadn't wanted to hurt Gacy, he just wanted to know what Gacy wanted for breakfast. Either way, McCoy had given Gacy exactly what he was craving. Up next, Gacy's horrible crimes are discovered, and Timothy McCoy's remains are laid to rest. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On January 3rd, 1972, John Wayne Gacy killed his first known victim. Six years later, he confessed to killing approximately 32 more boys since Timothy McCoy. Gacy was born in 1942 to a blue-collar Chicago family. His father was a verbally and physically abusive alcoholic. He made it clear that Gacy was a disappointment in every possible way. In 1964, Gacy married a woman whose father owned a few KFC restaurants. Gacy became the manager of their three restaurants and soon proved himself to be a hard worker and skilled businessman. Finally, Gacy earned his father's respect, though it wouldn't last. In 1968, Gacy was arrested for the sexual assault of a 15-year-old boy. He was convicted of sodomy and sentenced to 10 years in prison. The day of his sentencing, his wife filed for divorce. He never saw her or their children again. But while serving time, Gacy earned his GED and was reportedly a model prisoner. He was paroled in June of 1970 after serving only 18 months of his 10-year sentence. He started a company called PDM Contractors, painting, decorating, and maintenance. Gacy put everything into the business, and soon it was a bona fide success, so much so that he was able to buy a house, a ranch-style home at 8213 West Summerdale Avenue. And in 1971, Gacy had a new girlfriend, whom he'd later marry. By all accounts, Gacy was fully reformed. His personal life was thriving. But of course, appearances can be deceiving. In January of 1972, Gacy murdered Timothy McCoy. Six months later, he married his new girlfriend, Carol. He would kill at least three more times before he and his second wife divorced in 1976. Once he was on his own, the floodgates opened. Gacy used his contracting company as a cover to lure more than 30 boys to his home, most of them teenagers looking for work. He overpowered and strangled his victims before burying them in his basement. 
What makes Gacy's crime so chilling is that during this time, he routinely appeared at children's birthday parties as Pogo the Clown. He also hosted blowout block parties at his place, usually for hundreds of people. And all the while, there were bodies beneath their feet. Gacy's bloodlust finally caught up with him in 1978. His last victim was 15-year-old Robert Peast. The two were spotted together shortly before Peast's disappearance. Once the police suspected Gacy, they set up round-the-clock surveillance at his home. It took 10 days of mounting pressure for Gacy to crack. Finally, he went to his lawyer and confessed to more than 30 murders. After that, the police had what they needed to arrest Gacy. They searched his house top to bottom, and that's when they found the bodies. There were so many hidden beneath the house that to this day, six of the victims found in Gacy's crawl space remain unidentified. Initially, Timothy McCoy was one of these unidentified victims. He wasn't ID'd until 1986 when his dental records were examined. That year, his remains were returned to his family in Nebraska, finally allowing them some measure of peace. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nicholas Zwart, with writing assistance by Aaron Lan, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson.